0: yo this is sam sports podcast i am sam rosenberg it is wednesday april 4th 2018 i'm back to talk the philadelphia 76ers that's right i was here a week ago Predicting many positive outlook things for the Sixers team, I figured that they would continue their winning streak all throughout the rest of the season, considering their opponents coming up, and I pretty much was just high on the fact that Markel Fultz had made an appearance. It was like, holy shit, I can't believe this is happening. And then, probably 30 minutes after I recorded the podcast, Joel Embiid breaks his face. So let's talk about the Embiid injury. It was Wednesday night, they were at home playing the Knicks. Um, Embiid gets hurt at the very beginning of the second quarter off of, of all people, Markel Fultz. Uh, They were both running after a loose ball, and it was essentially a freak situation where Embiid leaned down, Fultz reached for the ball, and essentially Fultz's shoulder slammed into Embiid's face. He goes down on the court. He leaves the game, does not return, and then everyone essentially goes into a complete emotional tailspin because now it's like, holy shit, Everything about this team rises and falls with Joel Embiid, as I've been saying all season. And now, when the Sixers are getting so excited about this playoff run, everything's clicking. Of all people, Joel Embiid gets hurt again, and it's not his knee, it's not his ankle, it's not his fucking foot, it's not his back. He broke his goddamn face. So you're going to see him wearing, you know, that mask. You know, every all of the big players we can think of have definitely had to wear that mask at some point after having some type of facial injury. So... Embiid leaves the game. And I'm just going to go through the timeline because when I saw it, I was sitting here going, "Uh, you know what, he's probably got a concussion. Um, that's probably the main reason they took him back and they had to start looking at him. Initial reports before anything, before the game is over, the initial reports at halftime is that he didn't have a concussion, but he had a facial contusion. And at that point, I'm sitting there going, oh, thank God. You know, facial contusion is probably a really glorified way of saying he had a really deep bruise on his face. And he probably got whacked hard enough that something happened to the bone on his face. It might have been broken, but initially they say there's no concussion. He's got no broken bone on his face. The Sixers, at this point, I start feeling very, very dispirited regarding their future outlook for the rest of the season. I had just predicted that they were going to run the table and now I'm sitting here going, shit, how are they even going to beat this Knicks team? Well, they pulled out the game, they played great basketball and they beat that Knicks team and then Joel Embiid posts that uh, Instagram posting of him in the hospital where you literally see him briefly and he says, and essentially there's a, a text across the screen It says, not good. So now you're sitting here going, okay, all we heard is no concussion and a facial contusion, but yet Embiid is in the hospital for additional testing and he's saying, not good. The next day, Zach Lowe of ESPN breaks the news that uh, Joel Embiid did in fact break his face. He has an orbital fracture, which he needs to have surgery on. And in addition to that, he does in fact have a concussion. And then of course, you know, the NBA and the Sixers had to backtrack and say, listen, we tested him for the concussion initially, there weren't any symptoms, but with concussions you have to continue monitoring the patient, and of course over time, symptoms uh, showed up. So in, so he does in fact have a concussion, and Zach Lowe goes ahead and says, an orbital fracture surgery, recovery time, you're looking at two to four weeks. So that essentially knocks out the rest of the season, and starts to bring in the the timetable of Joel Embiid missing all if not a part of the first round of the playoffs. So at this point, Sixers fans are, I don't know if they're losing their shit, but they're definitely getting worried because after all of this waiting, Embiid is probably going to miss a chunk of this playoff series. And there's more frustration coming just over the fact that I think Fultz was probably the one who, you know, it was totally a freak accident, but Fultz was involved in this injury, which took out their, you know, the key piece of this team. On a positive note, the one thing that did come out was maybe a day or two later, uh, reports came out that um, there was a good chance that the surgery recovery time, you know, could be a little quicker than we think. They're looking at now; it might just be a two-week situation. He recovers from the concussion at least to some extent, wears a mask, and is probably now they're saying, you know, he might miss maybe one playoff game, two playoff games, especially since at that point when he got the injury, they were. I mean, what would you say, a two and a half weeks away from the beginning of the playoffs? So, um, listen, I think there's a, some positive outlook here, and there's, some, there's something to feel good about considering the fact that it is an injury. I think you'd want to go ahead with no injury, but considering the situation... It, it, it could be a lot worse. Um, now, something to be positive about is the fact that Amir Johnson has stepped in and Rashawn Holmes have stepped in, taken those minutes from Embiid while he's been out. And they've done pretty well. They've done pretty darn well. And this is actually going to transition me right to Ben Simmons. So with Embiid going down, there was certainly a feeling of, well, all right, you know, They are definitely a very middle of the pack team when Embiid is not on the floor. You can look at the numbers. When he's on the court, they're like plus 14 points. When he's off the court, they're something like even or minus three points. So, you know, really taking, understanding the, you know, the the sort of downward turn that this team is going to take with Embiid off the floor was a hard pill to swallow. But Ben Simmons has been maturing this season, and he wants to be thought of as a superstar in his own right, not just sort of the second fiddle to Joel Embiid. Let's see how that shakes out over the next four or five seasons. But right now, Simmons does kind of want to, you know, take the mantle a little bit. And with Embiid on the bench recovering from this injury, Ben Simmons has the opportunity to really show off what he's got going for him. And I got to give him credit. They've played three games since then. And you know what? He's looked pretty damn good. Okay. Simmons has stepped up. His stats have definitely shown it. He's been scoring more. Um, he's definitely, if he hasn't gotten triple doubles, he's gotten close to them on every single game. And, uh, you know, his ability to facilitate and run the point has really allowed the team to thrive, even though Embiid isn't on the floor, because I've been saying this team rises and falls with Embiid but with Embiid on the on the bench right now we've gotten a real chance to see the team function with sort of substitute big men so like what happens what does this team look like when instead of Embiid being the focal point you have Amir Johnson down low and you need to have Ben Simmons be the focal point well they played pretty well because they went on the road against the Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets, and both games they really stepped up and were pretty darn impressive. Simmons has been able to really run the point very well, um, and the three-point shooters—that's really something you've got. You have got to really give some uh, some credit to the. Um, Marco Bellinelli, J.J. Redick, uh, Robert Covington, and Ilya Sova. These guys have played serious minutes with Embiid off of the floor, and they've really made a difference because they are playing the role that they need to play for this playoff team to have their playoff push. And it has really shined now with Embiid off the floor because – they are actual veterans who are stepping up and understanding, we need to score more now. There's essentially 15 to 20 points that's not getting scored with Embiid not on the floor. We need to make up for those additional points. And Ilyasova, Bellinelli, and Redick have been doing it, and they've been doing it great. And Simmons, I mean, he's really been making the Kool-Aid stir, baby. He comes out there. I mean, his ability is stealing the ball, um, cutting down on turnovers. I mean, the steals... And the passing with this Sixers team has really been a sight to, to see. It's been breathtaking. Now, let's talk a little bit about Fultz here. So, amongst all of this Embiid getting injured, we've seen Fultz really come out and actually get a chance to play some real ball, and it's been exciting. Because... There is something to be said for why he was the number one pick, okay? He's got some of the moves. He goes to the hoop. I mean, his defense, listen, he's a pretty damn good defender, especially when he's, you know, blocking guys from behind. I mean, this is a guy who will chase down um, the guy all the way to the hoop. Uh, I mean, Foltz is really, now now, uh, his free throw still looks like dog shit, but his jump shot doesn't look bad. Okay, he's had a couple of jump shots which are just nothing but net look beautiful. So, it's there. He still definitely has it. Um, But, of course, he's still got an issue with the free throw. The talent is there. And he's taking minutes away from TJ McConnell. But right now, I think it's good. I don't think he's hurting this team. I think he's definitely getting a chance to see how he can fit in with this team. And I think Brett Brown is understanding that he can get a little bit more out of Markel Fultz uh, playing backup point guard to Ben Simmons than TJ McConnell. And I don't think anyone's going to, you know, turn their nose up at that. And listen, I think McConnell is the ultimate team player. He still gets minutes. There's still times when McConnell needs to be on the floor with Simmons and when he's on the floor with Fultz. uh, But Fultz is overall taking minutes from McConnell. doesn't matter. He's a team player. He's making it work. And it's still making this team go. Now... Little note about uh, Fultz and Simmons—they're never on the court together because clearly neither of them has a very good jump shot. They're both shooting um, hazards, Uh, so it's you know Brown, Brett Brown has never had them be out there together because you know essentially Simmons is your starter, Fultz is your backup. Why have two bad shooters on the court at the same time? Except I must say, last night they were playing the Brooklyn Nets in Philadelphia. And for the first time, I saw Simmons and Fultz on the court together. It was pretty impressive. Um, I, I, I will admit, I think Brett Brown put them out there because they were up by 20 at that point, and I think he had a little bit of uh, flexibility to put them out there and to see what it looked like. The interesting thing was Fultz played the point, and Ben Simmons would play center, on the defensive end of the court, Ben Simmons was the one down low. You essentially had Ben Simmons and Rashawn Holmes were your biggest defenders. And and Simmons was protecting the rim. Simmons was blocking shots. I mean, he was guarding guys like Damari Carroll. Like, it was really impressive. And then to see Fultz, you know, be the perimeter defender, and then... It didn't matter. I, I think Simmons was typically the one who brought the ball up the court, and Fultz played off the ball with him. They did fine together. There was It was rather interesting to see how they played together. There wasn't a lot of minutes where they were on the court together, but it was very fascinating to see Fultz kind of be comfortable being the off-guard. And he didn't take a lot of jumpers, but he at least got the space he needed to drive to the hoop because he has a good drive. He does have a beautiful layup. Um he's got the athleticism to attack defenses in that capacity. And listen, I mean, if Simmons is bringing the ball up and Fultz is able to get some room and he's able to develop that jumper just a little bit more. I mean, this is a dangerous one, two man game to have, especially when you're out a Joel Embiid. Um, Now, I want to dovetail right now to Dario Sarge. I love Sarge. I think it's... I've made this very apparent on the podcast. I love Sarge so much. I think he's very underrated. I think, uh, you know, he doesn't get as much credit as he should. Um, and I think he's a very important part to this team. Now, that being said... So Dario Saric got hurt in the uh, game against the Atlanta Hawks. He um, he scraped his elbow, and I saw that they were taping up his elbow. Well, going into the Hornets game and the Nets game, I find out that apparently um, the elbow got infected with cellulitis. He got a bacterial infection in his elbow. They thought he was just going to miss the game against the Hornets on Sunday, but he ends up having to miss last night's game against the Brooklyn Nets, and I have a feeling he's going to miss tonight's game against the Detroit Pistons because I don't feel like bacterial infections clear up overnight. So... Sarich has been out against the Nets and the Hornets. So to see Ben Simmons go into Atlanta and beat the Hawks was impressive. But then to see Simmons run this team without Embiid and without Sarich, and let's be clear here, Sarich has been a big scoring presence. He averages 20 points a game. He shoots the three ball really well. He's a great defender, and his energy and his athleticism is extremely apparent on the court when, he, when they're playing these teams. Now... The Nets are dog shit. I'm sorry, Brooklyn Nets, but you guys have really just been trotting out a really bad team these days. So to see the, the Sixers kick the shit out of them without Sarge last night, that wasn't a surprise. But on Sunday, when they played the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte, and the Sixers were able to you know take it to Charlotte, and, and listen, it was a close game. You know I think Charlotte was able to keep it a game for most of the time, but then the third quarter... The Sixers have been doing what they've been doing all season. The third quarter, they have come out guns blazing, and they've usually gone up by 10 or 15 points. This Hornets game was no different. I mean, Ilyasova, Redick, Bellinelli, these guys were killing the Hornets from three-point land, and this was all without Embiid and without Saric. To see the Sixers be that impressive without Saric on the floor was really something to see. And then they were able to replicate it all over again against the Nets last night. I mean, the Nets... I mean, they barely gave them a, any type of uh, competition. I mean, the Sixers jumped out by 10. The Nets actually caught up with them and tied the game. But then the Sixers jumped out by 10 again, put it up by 20. The game was over. Uh, I don't think Ben Simmons played at all in the fourth quarter last night, which was actually kind of nice because you got more of a chance to see Fultz play. You got a chance to see Fultz actually like get some real minutes and be the guy and play the entire fourth quarter and you know throw some nice passes in there, get a chance to shoot a jumper, drive to the hoop. I mean, he had a dunk the other night. Holy fuck fucking shit. Fultz ran all the way down the court. I feel like he jumped from the free throw line and just dunked it. I mean, the athleticism there is very, very exciting to see, um, especially as this team gets geared up for the playoffs. So uh, listen, I think with the remaining schedule, actually, let let me not get to the remaining schedule yet. I'll finish the podcast with that. Let me talk about playoff matchup. The last two podcasts I've talked about Playoff matchups and who I think the Sixers are going to go up against, um, and each each week I've I've described a matchup with different teams because essentially every week the uh, the standings are changing so much it's it's really there's no telling who the hell the Sixers are going to be matched up with. So two weeks ago I I did the matchup then against the Cavs. Uh, last week I get, I went against the Wizards. This week I'm going to talk about the Pacers because right now the Sixers are in the four spot. There's a very real chance they might actually catch the Cavs and take the three spot. But right now, they're in the four spot, and the Pacers are in the five spot. So if the if playoffs started today, you'd see the Sixers playing the Pacers. Let's talk about this matchup. With the Pacers, you'd have Ben Simmons probably matched up against Darren Collison right now. I think Simmons is winning that uh, matchup. You'd have Ola Depot going up against J.J. Redick. Um, I kind of think... You know, I think Oladipo is going to win that matchup. But then you start saying Covington is probably going to match up against Bogdanovich. Now, that's interesting because Bogdanovich is so damn big... I don't think, because I would want to put Covington on Oladipo, because Oladipo is going to be nasty, nasty on the offensive end. He has had a fantastic year, and Oladipo is some guy that the Sixers cannot overlook, and I think putting your best defender of Covington on Oladipo is going to be a good fit, but it's hard to then sit there and say, all right, we've got to put Redick on Bogdanovich. You'd probably want to put somebody like Saric on Bogdanovich, or maybe Redick on Thaddeus Young. Um... That's going to be an interesting matchup. Now, let's go to the power forwards. You're going to see Dario Saric guarding Thaddeus Young. That's actually, I think, a really nice matchup. I think Saric is probably going to overpower Young, but I do think Thaddeus Young has got some veteran savvy to make some nice moves around him, take advantage of him, maybe get underneath his skin a little bit. Uh, And then, of course, you're going to have Joel Embiid facing up against Miles Turner. That'll be an interesting uh, collision of games, And, and especially depending on how many games Embiid misses, because... If this team goes up against the Pacers without Embiid, um, listen, with all the excitement that we've seen to finish this season with Ben Simmons, they're still playing dog shit teams. They're still playing teams like the Hawks and and the Nets and the Knicks. These are not good basketball teams. The Pacers are going to give them a run for their money because even though the Sixers are on an 11-game winning streak right now, I'm going to be real with you. The last game they lost was a two-point home loss to the Indiana Pacers, and it was a close game where they were able to shut down uh, Miles Turner and and Victor Oladipo, but Thaddeus Young had a revenge fuck you game against the Sixers, and he ended up pulling out the win. So, coming back to these matchups, I think you're going to see a situation where Simmons might be able to get his, but... I mean, I don't think Nate McMillan's a bad coach. And in the playoffs, these guys are really going to play – they're going to coach against the fact that Simmons can't shoot the ball. They're going to leave him open on the perimeter, which, of course, gives Simmons – and Kevin Durant was mentioning this today. One of the reasons that Simmons is able to facilitate and have great passing is because they give him so much room on the perimeter because they know he's not going to shoot – well, because he's got room on the perimeter, because he's not going to shoot, it just means he, the passing lanes open up, and he has better vision on how to pass the ball. And the thing i got to tell you about Simmons and Fultz is these guys are both amazing passers, and they really make the rest of the offense go. Because he'll go to the hoop, draw the defense, and then just toss the ball out to J.J. Redick for a three. And, you know, Fultz is doing a bit of the same thing. So you can't overlook... The fact that even though they're gonna, you know, the the defenders are gonna sag on these guys, that they'll still be able to, you know, make a play. These guys are amazing playmakers. Um, so the thing that scares me a little bit is exactly, you know, what what these, you know. Is Bel- are Bellinelli and Ilyasova gonna be able to slow down guys like Bogdanovich? You know, how much are we gonna see Al Jefferson in the playoff series? Like, are they gonna throw Al Jefferson up against Joe Embiid? Um, are they gonna Are you gonna see Covington guarding Oladipo? This, I actually, I think there's a lot of people out there that are kind of feeling like this is a better matchup for the Sixers, and you know they'll have an easier time going up against the Pacers than they would against the Wizards or the Cavaliers, but. I don't necessarily think so. I think the Caval- I think the Pacers can be a pretty tenacious matchup, and I think they can probably get underneath the skin of the Sixers. And if Embiid is not on the court, I mean, this could go any way. It could go any way possible. And the the upswing of Fultz. And the improvement of Simmons I think is going to be a major factor in whether this Sixers team can hang 10 until at least Joel comes back because once Embiid comes back, I really think the scales tip in the favor of the Sixers, and I think they're going to win the series. with or without Embiid, I think the Sixers are losing the series. With Embiid, I think they're winning in seven games. That's how that's how I'm calling it. I think the Sixers are going to take the Pacers in seven games. It'll be an interesting one, but um, I definitely think it's going to be a tougher go for the Sixers against this team than people are thinking. All right, um, next game, uh, the five more games for the Sixers to finish the season. Uh, they're playing the Pistons tonight, uh, second night of a back to back in Detroit. I don't think Sarge is going to play, and now. Before I reel off the rest of the games, the next game is Friday night in Philadelphia against the Cleveland Cavaliers. That is the money game. Because right now, the Sixers and the Cavs are fighting for the 3 4 spot. I think, to, I mean, listen, the Sixers still have a shot to take the three over the Cavaliers, even if they lose to the Cavaliers on Friday night but I still think that is a real litmus test game because if the Cavaliers win that game, it's probably all said and done. They've locked up the three seed, but you got to remember the fact the Sixers are going to go into that game without Joel Embiid. So if they're playing LeBron James and the Cavaliers without Joel Embiid, I mean, I can't say that the Sixers are going to run the table anymore and they're just going to beat the Cavs. I think the Cavs are probably going to take care of business, and I think they're going to break the Sixers winning streak on Friday night. Now, Pistons, Cavs, then you've got Sunday, they've got a home game against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, then Tuesday, they've got a road game against the uh, Atlanta Hawks. And then they finish out the season at home against the Milwaukee Bucks. You've got the Pistons, Cavaliers, Mavericks, Hawks, Bucks. Um, I don't think the Bucks are going to be playing for anything on that final game. I don't think the Sixers are going to be playing for anything. That's going to be a blah game. Um, and the Mavericks, you know, could have had a nice little homecoming for Nurland's Noel, but he's been suspended for the rest of the season, so you won't see him. All of these are kind of dog shit games to really just get this team ready to play without Joel Embiid which they're going to have to on some level. Even if he misses some, uh, the, the the reports are he might not miss the entire first round, which means that he's probably going to miss some of the first round. Either way, this Sixers team needs to do two things. They need to get used to playing without Embiid, and they need to get used to playing with Fultz. Fultz needs to get his, you know, if he's going to be in the playoffs, if he's going to be in this rotation, and it looks like Brett Brown wants him in the rotation, he needs these minutes. He needs to get used to this team. He needs to play these final five games to get a little bit more comfortable so when it comes crunching, time in the playoffs he doesn't make a disastrous mistake that loses a game just throwing that out there so the next five games are going to be interesting and I think uh I think this Cavaliers game will be one worth watching um all right that's it. I'm out of here. Thanks a lot for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at Smithface Jones. Or just email me mailbag questions or comments at samsportsstation at gmail.com. Uh, But right now, it is 6 o'clock Central Time, which means I'm going to get the hell out of here. I'm going to watch this Sixers-Pistons game. I encourage you to do the same thing. Thanks a lot for listening. I'll be back next week to talk more Sixers. Take it easy. Bye-bye.